discuss which pop culture is worthy of your downtime. I'm Sarah. And I'm Joanna. We're reunited and it feels so good. So good. We just live like very busy lives. We do. We it's, do. It's like it's a real problem. Mm-hmm. When you live inside the zeitgeist, yes. there's always something to do. It's true. It's like when your nights are all occupied or you're globe trotting. By globe trotting, I mean traveling across the country and such. It's just a weird thing. And to mm-hmm. show how in the know we are, or rather I am, this morning, I saw Michael Shannon for what is now the fifth time in just over a month. Which is interesting. So I guess we're on the same orbit, basically. He keeps going where you go, because you saw him in New York and in Toronto. It's not like you just saw him five times in Toronto. Yeah, no, I've seen him now Toronto twice, then New York once, and then now Toronto again. And you know what this means. It means you're meant to marry Michael Shannon. It basically means I'm going to be Mrs. General Zod. Which is fine. I'm fine with that. But it's also funny to me, because the Nocturnal Animals junket is this weekend. He's in Nocturnal Animals, and he's he's just like not, not doing it. He's not doing... He's getting coffee at Voltage Coffee. That's in Toronto. In Toronto, so you know, Voltage Coffee. Shout right. out! Shout out to Voltage Coffee. But anyway, yeah. So we're back. We can talk about some things. Sarah wrote a book, which is so exciting. Oh, thank you. So we're going to talk about that in a bit. And uh, it's a great book. It's a really great book. It's about these teenage high school debaters, which is a world that she and I know very well. I swear it is not based on my life or the lives of my students. Yes. But, you know, it is inspired by my experiences in some capacity, though not based on them. Absolutely. In the best possible way, I think. And it's just a really great read, so we're going to talk about that in a bit. But I guess we're going to start off by talking about Kim's Convenience, which is so funny, and has now had, like, a bunch of different episodes, like, almost a half dozen episodes, basically, mm-hmm. on CBC. It is on the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. Well. Yeah. For those of you in America, shout out to our friend Carolyn. Yep. Um, this is a show that, if you can find a way to watch it in the States, is good. I think it's the best Canadian sitcom to debut since Schitt's Creek, for yeah. sure. Yeah, oh, for sure. And it's just really funny. It's like, I mean, you saw the play, and... Now it turns from a show, and it's great. So the concept is it's a Korean-Canadian family who run a convenience store in kind of, um, you know, like a a less gentrified part of Toronto, Mm -hmm. which is getting increasingly rare. Now, Toronto, like New York, almost all of it has been gentrified. But they live in, you know, this diverse neighborhood that, you know, has, you know, there's some crime and stuff like that, and there are a lot of issues. And so it's, it's a really interesting portrait of a part of Toronto that's disappearing and people are being displaced. Mm hmm it's also just an interesting family portrait of what it means, the difference between being first-generation Canadian and second-generation Canadian, right. and the family conflicts that arise when parents who grew up in Korea have different expectations for their children the Canadian-born children have for themselves. Right. So, I mean, there's a lot of humor to be mined there. I mean, the the characters are hilarious. The parents really want their 20-year-old daughter, Janet, to find, in their words, a cool Christian Korean boyfriend. Right. All three of these things. To yes. which Janet says, there's no such thing as a cool Christian Korean boyfriend. Right. Um, so there's a lot of humor there. Yeah, it's just a lot of fun. And I mean, of course, there's this tension between the father and the son, which apparently was also part of the play. Yes. And the son had like this life of petty crime, basically, that ended him. Yeah. He ended up going to juvie, so to speak. And now he worked his way up to, well, he charmed his way, honestly, yes. to be the assistant manager at a, at a car rental. Yes. Um, what's interesting about the TV show is that in the transition from play to TV show, they had to take the play as a drama with comedic moments. And then they made the TV show a comedy with some dramatic moments. Yeah. Uh, the transition is necessary because, like, I don't know if everyone would watch a drama about a convenience store every week. Like, I don't know if there are enough people who would do it. I get for in terms of marketability. There are some changes that I don't agree with. Yeah. So Janet in the play is 30. Yeah. So she's 
a more worthy adversary to her parents. When they mm. debate things, it feels like she's seen things yeah. and they just have different perspectives and they're genuinely having a debate and they both sides are making great points. Yeah. Now they've made her 20, 10 yeah. years younger. And so she does come off as just sort of naive and she kind of loses every argument, right? Right. Um, and it, it makes it less of a challenging thing to watch than the play is. The mm-hmm. play really stimulates you intellectually. And while Kim's convenience is delightful and stimulates you a little bit, I don't feel completely challenged by it. Sure. Yeah, which I think is kind of fair, right? Like yeah. Every episode is very funny and it's just like very different mm-hmm. kind of humor and I really like it. But at the same time, there's not much. I mean, it, it, it all kind of resolves nicely at the end. Like it, yes. would, it would kind of be nice if it was a little bit more serialized. Like even like Schitt's Creek, for instance, mm-hmm. there's a bit of a through line in the yes. episodes. And there is kind of with the characters, mm-hmm. you know, Janet finding herself and mm-hmm. yada, yada, yada. But it would be nice to show a bit more development, so to speak, amongst them. But I, I, it is very funny. The mother I really like. She's I think hilarious. She's hilarious. And everyone's just really making me laugh. It's just like a really good TV show. And the CBC, I mean, like, say what you will about, you know, I love Schitt's Creek. Of course, we love Schitt's Creek. But they're not really known for, they have this reputation. Yeah, the CBC, not Schitt's Creek. The CBC. The CBC has a reputation for not necessarily, like, embracing unconventional things that aren't going to be guaranteed hits. Yes. So speak. Like they like they try to tend to go for more of the safer content. Like yeah. Heartland. Yeah, like Heartland. A show about a horse ranch. Yes. Which I'm sure is great and one of my friends is regularly on that show. But, you know, it's not necessarily as risky or interesting or different than as as, no. as this, you know, as adapting a play and such. So it's it's great to see that this like actually is like a great show, which could be on any network. Like it's yeah. like it is great that it's uniquely mm-hmm. Canadian and it's very obviously shot in Toronto mm-hmm. and you know she Janet goes to OCAD, which mm-hmm. is an Ontario university, and they talked about that really funny thing about it's called OCAD, which is the Ontario College of Art and Design, but it's a university. It's like, mm-hmm. yes, well, it used to be a college and now it's <laughs> and so she was kind of yeah. justifying her daughters yeah. going there and I thought that was very silly. And also very, like... Very true. Very true and very funny to Toronto. People who are from Toronto or even from yeah, Ontario. it's specific, um, which I like. Yeah, and I just think it's, like, a, it's just, in general, a great show. Like, this could be on HBO, is how oh, I yeah. feel about it. it could be. It's, like, at that caliber. Um, obviously, like, there are certain things that we may want more from it, but it's mm-hmm. still still really, really solid. It's a great sitcom. Yeah. I've... One thing that I like about it is that it's a Canadian show that feels Torontonian. So a lot of Canadian TV feels what they call maple-washed, right? Where they try to make it so Canadian that people who live in urban centers that are more international and are less sort of Canada-centric can't relate to them, right? Yeah, like a corner gas, let's say, yeah. for instance. It, and that's not to say that that's not true to some people's experiences. But yeah. oftentimes the shows are tr- more true to like a small town or a rural experience. Right. For some reason the seed you see, often feels like they have to play into that, mm-hmm. as opposed to the fact that, like, the majority of Canadians live in urban centers, mm-hmm. where it's not always apparent that you're living in Canada. Like, right. Toronto, there's a reason why Toronto often stands in for Chicago and New York in the movies, mm-hmm. or even LA. Mm-hmm. It's because it could be anywhere. Yeah. And I like that they're exploring what it means to live in an urban center, yes. as opposed to, like, what is the Canadian identity? It's right. more like, what is the Torontonian identity? Mm-hmm. And it feels uniquely Torontonian, because... There are lots of sociologists and geographers who will argue that Toronto is the most multicultural city in the world. Right. Half of Torontonians were not even born in Canada. Yeah. So 
the kind of multiculturalism you see in this show is just completely realistic to what it's like to live in the city. Yeah. And I also love that the location of the convenience store is basically like three blocks from my house. <laughs> so I like live in their set. Which is great. It's fabulous. Yeah. I love that. I was like, oh, hey, neighborhood. That's very funny, actually. Especially when you big it up, it's like, you know, it's not that gentrified. It's like you're kind of you're kind of um, making yourself sound like a, a bit of a hipster and whatever. It's like, I discovered this neighborhood, um, and now it's on TV. Now it's on TV. That's right. Um, the it's great. convenience neighborhood. Uh, yeah, I live on the ramparts of gentrification. It's fine. It's definitely a good watch, and I think that it's achieving its objective. Like, yes. Like, trying to make it a you know more intellectually stimulating than average multicultural sitcom and they're yeah. achieving completely yeah like and if you want to make the obvious comparison so to speak to like something like fresh off the boat mm-hmm. it's just as funny it's like totally on par with i feel like i agree i think it's a bit edgier though i agree yeah i think it is edgier because fresh off the boat is just like it's very um well i mean it's intentionally dated and it's nostalgic humor yeah. and it's much more like my parents are crazy but yes. we all love each other Whereas yes. this, like, sure, the things are still true. Yeah. But there's, like, real hurt there. Yes, there's real pain. There's a real yeah. negotiation that's constantly going on between the kids and their parents. Yeah. Like, it, there is that tension, and that's where a lot of the humor comes through. Like, how do we compromise and stay a family when we now have such different values based on our wildly different experiences? Mm-hmm. So it's very true to where the humor of that kind of immigrant experience comes from. Because yeah. it's, the truth is, like, you move to a new place... You don't know what's going on, and your kids get it effortlessly, and it creates a lot of conflicts that, while sad, are also kind of funny in some situations. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, like, when you talk them out like they do, and I like how they talk about Mm -hmm. the problems on this show. It's great. It's a great show. Would recommend. Definitely, like, it's it's one of those that's on the PBR, and it always gets quick viewing. Yes. So, if you're in America, I I mean, I don't know if it's going to be airing in America. Yeah. Hard to say. Look out for it. Try to find a way to watch it. I feel like cbc.ca isn't necessarily geo-blocked. I don't think it is either. And so try to go to cbc.ca and look up Kim's Convenience. And I feel like the episodes see. are also available on YouTube for four ninety nine. They are. So, so there's that. I, it's definitely worth watching, guys. Like, give yeah. it a shot. Yeah, it's really fun and very funny. So I guess we can also segue to another thing in Canadian TV this week. We now know the final three for The Bachelor of Canada. We do. We do. And Bachelor of Canada is secretly the best reality show on television. It's so candid. It's unbelievable. Like, I am in love with Jasmine. Jasmine has really had a positive ripple effect on my own dating life. Me too. She's yeah. kind of my dating guru. Yeah. Where she's like, if I'm not feeling it, I'm not going to kiss him just because it's polite or to move it forward. I'm like... You go, girl. Yeah, that's right. That's like, a, that's that's great. It's great advice. That's what I need in my life to be like, you know, more confident about my boundaries. Um, it's kind of sad that I'm 30 and I'm not, but like, <laughs> I mean, you know, it works for you. Not really. But sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's nice to have a role model. It is in the sense of how to in person, how to guide, so to speak. It is like she's so confident when she likes a guy, which is something that I need to work on, and she's confident when she doesn't like a guy, which is right. also something that I can relate to and need to work on. What I love about her is that she can just, in such a candid way, in such an honest mm-hmm. way, basically say exactly how she feels, mm-hmm. quite succinctly and politely. It's not mean. Yeah, it's not mean at all. Yeah, it, no. She's just saying like you know this isn't necessarily what I'm looking for. Or I'm mm-hmm. looking for more of this or tell me more about this like she's just, it's great it's i really like her 
I want her to write a book about just how to date well. Yes. Because she seems to be a dating genius. Like, yeah. Malcolm Gladwell would probably say she's put in her 10,000 hours. Like, I don't know. Maybe she's <laughs> dated a lot. I don't Maybe she's researched it. But she seems like this is something she's genius level at. Yeah. It is really uncanny. Like, in all these years of watching the other Bachelors and Bachelorettes. I know. Where they're just either clueless or... Make stupid decisions. Exactly. No. I mean, the only issue I have is that she said goodbye to scarves, Kevin. So there are two Kevins. Yes. One wears scarves and one doesn't. Yeah. And the one who doesn't wear scarves is sucks. like, it sucks. Although, we did defend him earlier on the pod in saying that he, because he's been out with like 100 women or whatever, or has gone on like, what did we say? 100, 100 dates? First dates. 100 first dates. And we were saying that that's not a negative because that's just mm-hmm. how you live life. That's just Toronto. That's just Toronto. Like, that's not a big deal. No, that's just like somebody with a Tinder account. Yeah. I don't hate him for that. Yeah. I hate him because he's so entitled to Jasmine's time. Yes. He's so arrogant. And very jealous in a strange way. Like, he doesn't understand that he signed up for a dating show with other men. I know. And I'm like, this is the concept of the show. Right. She's not going to just spend all of her time with you. And that's my biggest pet peeve on the American version and the Canadian version. The guy right. who, like, pretends he's not on this show and mm-hmm. acts like they should be monogamous already. I'm like, no, you signed up for this. Yeah, that's true. And it, listen, I understand it's hard to see somebody you like off of somebody else who mm-hmm. and looks like they're enjoying their time. But, I mean, like, come on. Like, let's be honest here. You knew exactly what you signed up for. Yeah, so not a fan of that Kevin, Kevin W. Yeah. But Kevin P, who wears scarves, scarves Kevin. Yep. So Jasmine broke up with him on a rock. They scaled a mountain, and it was very, like, Mission Impossible. It was very Mission Impossible, yes. Mission uh, Impossible 2, to be precise. Yeah, Mission Impossible 2. And then they have this, like, lovely heart-to-heart where he talks about how, like, passion matters to him in relationship and adventure, and he's looking for that person to have that passion adventure with. Like, saying all good things, all mm. nice things. And then she, like, inexplicably dumps him on the rock. Yeah. Just, like, leaves him there. But he was so classy about it. So classy. He was like, I know those other guys will take care of you, like... Goodbye. Like, mm-hmm. thank you for the experience. I kind of, like, if you're listening to the Scarves, Kevin, I have Twitter. You can find me. Yeah. Sarah Sahagian. Yeah, it's really, it's not hard. <laughs> it's not hard. You're very easy to find on Twitter. I'm easy to find on Twitter. I twi- tweet a lot, but, I, you know. Like, She's tweeted about you. I have tweeted about you. For She Does the City. It's part, you know, part of, it's how she lives. Yeah, I, I like you, and, like, we could go scarf shopping together or something. Yeah, but he was, like, so open about, you know, listen, I like to travel, but I also like adventure, and I also mm. like this. And sometimes I can be somewhere for five years and then want to leave, but I want that experience with a partner, like with a wife, and like mm-hmm. develop this relationship and develop a core. He didn't seem flaky at all. Like a lot of guys can seem flaky in that situation. Mm-hmm. And he seemed very self-assured, very mature about what is often considered immature, which is not being grounded, right? So I thought that he was, he was great. And then she ended things with him, which sucks. Especially because he's so much better than Kevin W. Yeah. I don't understand why, like, you know, it's not like we're in the final two, right? Right. Why, if you're getting rid of one of the Kevins, don't, why don't you want to keep Scarf's Kevin around for hometowns? He probably has a lovely family. He probably does. Although he is estranged from his mother, but, like, that's not his fault. Also, like, maybe that's what she had an issue with, but I thought he explained that very well. He explained it exceedingly well, and he was so diplomatic. Like, he did not blame her. He's like, I still talk to her sometimes, but she's not really in my life regularly, and I'm close with the rest of my family. Yes. That's the textbook way to explain a complicated family situation. I agree. I thought that was handled very gracefully. And she seemed to be a bit perturbed by that she wasn't getting the whole story, but of course she wasn't getting the whole story. It's being filmed. Exactly. And she's like, he's basically just giving her the introductory Cole's notes. And I thought he did it very well, like you said. 
Yeah, he can't explain the whole thing. And you don't like the guy yeah. who trashes his mother on TV, right? Yeah. Like, that's the thing. He was between a hard rock and a hard place, yeah. right? Like, literally, because they were on a rock. Yeah. But, um, but, like, if he'd said straight up, like, my mom explained whatever horrible thing she'd done to him, mm-hmm. that also is not classy. Like, that no. is a tacky thing to do. Yeah. And it's not, you know, you wouldn't like that guy either. So no. what was he supposed to do? It's like... He really had no option. No. So you just... Take it for granted that you're going to have to wait for the fantasy suites yeah. to find out more. That's true. And that's fine. Like, everyone has something they're not telling you until the cameras are off. Absolutely. That's just par for the course of the show. He was just being honest enough to admit, like, here's my baggage and here's what I will tell you more about when the right. cameras are off. Right. And basically, like, before we go on hometowns, just so you know, X, Y, and Z. Yeah. I thought he was an exemplary contestant. Yeah. I know. I really liked him a lot. And it kind of bugged me that she was so dismissive. I love Jasmine, but I don't necessarily share her taste in men. Yeah. It's how I feel. Like, I love how she plays it. I love how empowered she is, how confident she is about her decisions. How she talks to men. Exactly. Um, the other thing about Bachelorette Canada is that date that they went on to the Berber home, mm-hmm. where, like, Kevin W., the other Kevin, like, lesser Kevin, was like, what's a Berber? Yeah. He's, like, so ignorant. Um, and then, like, they're milking the cow, and he's so bad at it. I'm yeah. like, this is a man who'd be really bad in bed. Like, you can just tell. Yeah. It's like, what would he do with human lady breasts? Whereas she, well, that's also, <laughs> also true. Whereas she um, was really going to town on that cow. She knew, yeah. she knew how, she, to, how to go to town on, the, on a cow. She knew what she was doing. I'm just right. saying there are two sex acts that are analogous to milking a cow. And she looked like she could do hers. Yes. And he looked like if he was going to yank your human breast that way, that that would not be fun. No. Too much yanking. Too much yanking. It was a bit aggressive. Yeah. So I am, um, you know, I mean, maybe Jasmine's into that, but it didn't look like it was like skillfully aggressive. Right. It looked like it was just like, ah, I don't know what I'm doing. Like yeah. putting no thought into this. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. And yeah, I don't know. I, but we were talking before we started recording about how it was probably doing Mike and Mikkel, which would be the dream. Yeah. And that is just such an explanation of what Canada is. Yeah. It's like. It's a diverse country where you have you end up with your choices two guys with similar names, but like their names come from different ethnocultural backgrounds. But also like you have the cosmopolitan guy. Mikhail. Mikhail. Our love. Our love. Our love from Mikhail. Our love Mikhail. Or you have a guy who is proudly from Winnipeg. No shade at Winnipeg. No shade, no shade. And like loves Winnipeg and wants to live there forever. Right. Okay, so Jasmine clearly likes Mike better. Yeah. Um, she likes she his likes, APAC. She likes Mike better. She likes his APAC for sure. I think she she maybe feels more like herself with Mikkel. I don't know. Like, she has, like, a certain playfulness when she's with Mikkel. I think Mikkel for her is the aspirational choice. Because, sure. like, she's from Kenora, and I think she's, like, a cool girl and likes to travel, but, like, probably does feel comfortable in a smaller city like Kenora. But then, like, Mikkel is, like, so cosmopolitan. Yeah, and I yeah, think yeah. she's, like... I'd like to explore this, but is this what I want to marry? Right. Like, do I want to marry... Like, ultimately, is the guy I've settled down with going to be more like Mike? Is that what I want for the rest of my life? Right. So I think she's, like, enchanted with Mikkel. Of course. But, like, sees herself growing old with Mike. Right. Which is not a bad thing. No. But we saw in the preview for this week, it was like, like Mikkel's dad saying, what if you're really number three? (laughs) And not number one. And I love that. I love that. I love that. I love that. You have to win if you're going to do this show. That's That's what I would be like with my kids. I'd be like, don't come home unless you win. Well, you've talked about this, how you would teach your daughter (laughs) fantasy suite strategy. So that is something every young woman should learn from a young age. Yes. Okay. Like you don't want your daughter going on the bachelor unprepared for the fantasy suite. It's true. I just think it's great. (laughs) I loved it. 
I can't believe that it's down to three for hometowns, though. Doesn't that seem crazy? It does. It does. Like, it's definitely not... I mean, it's departing from the standard of the American show in many yeah. ways. It actually has high production value because the destinations they've gone to are... Morocco's great. Much better than the American version. Oh, my God. Does. JoJo had, like, no budget. Like, it really shows that JoJo had no budget. Well, the saddest one was when... That, the Andy, hotel room with JoJo? Was it? That was sad. But yeah. remember Andy Dorfman when they went to the Mohican Sun Resort? Oh, casino? right. Yes, yes. That really showed you that they don't put any money into The Bachelorette yeah. in the U.S. Yeah. But here, like... Jamaica, Morocco, like... I mean, it was all, like, very sponsored. Like, yes. they're like, thank you, Sunwing, for taking <laughs> us to Jamaica, etc. But, uh, you know, whatever. Like, I, that doesn't bother me. During TIFF, I was interviewing Ruth Wilson, actually, and she was talking about this new Netflix movie she's in, which actually, like, looks pretty crazy. It's called I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in the that Lives in the mm-hmm. or whatever. And she basically, again, typecast as a nurse because she plays a nurse kind of on the affair as Allison. And... Anyway, whatever. So she came, sat down with us for an interview, with me, rather. Mm-hmm. And she said, wow, there's a lot of uh, cosmetics company mm-hmm. branding in this suite, in this interview mm-hmm. suite. I'm like, well, it doesn't really change what we do from a content point of view. It yeah. just, like, helps sponsor the content, right? Yeah, That's exactly. literally all it is. It's just, like, it's just the background. You know, we do a couple, like, maybe a couple product mentions. But other mm-hmm. than that, like, the content's the exact same. Yep. And it, they never interfere with that. And she's like, yeah, that's a really good point. Like, it doesn't really change your job. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, no, exactly. So anyway, but she was pretty cool about it. But I feel like, yeah, for Bachelor Canada, it's not like over-the-top sponsorship. Like, I found that The Amazing Race Canada has, like, insane sponsorship where it, like, really impacts the show. But I felt this one was all it was all pretty great. And it looks so much better than The Bachelorette US. It does. Like, it didn't harm their integrity. It just increased their production values. So, Absolutely. Like, that, they did it well. Yeah, it's win-win. Yeah. But yeah, she'll probably end up with Mike, right? Yes. Like, she, when they get together, you can tell that they are talking about their future, where she's like, yeah, I guess I could move to Winnipeg, right? Yeah, she doesn't do right. that with the other guys. Right. Right? Like, they are clearly negotiating a future together. Yes. Right? Like, you, obviously, she's attracted to some of the others, but, like, Mike's the guy. If she's going to marry any of them, it's Mike. Mm-hmm. I liked that um, scene at the end of the last week's episode when they were getting into the pool. Was that two weeks ago? I think it was two weeks ago. Yeah. Anyway, there was a scene where it was Mike and Mikel kind of growing out in the pool and it was kind of played like after the final credits or whatever. Yeah. And they were all, or they were both talking about shrinkage. Yeah. And it was just very sweet. They get along decidedly well considering they're clearly the top two. Yes. And they've been the top two for an obvious amount whole, of time. Like, yeah. The whole time. Yeah. Like, they're the only two that she's genuinely into. The right. only two I think she'd date in real life. But I think they must know that they're so different that they, there's no way that they're actually competing for the same thing. Well, I think they know, yeah, exactly, where it's like, they know that she's probably enchanted with one and in love with the other, and, like, I feel like Mikel's smart enough to know that, like, he's the one she's enchanted with, just yes. because his lifestyle is so different. Like, she clearly thought it was adorable that he's, like, interested in Indian mythology and all these sophisticated things, but also, I don't know if that's, like, what she's interested in. Sure. Not that she's not intellectual, but it just... I don't think when they get together, she seems more, like, impressed as opposed to relating to him. Absolutely. It's going to be interesting to see what happens, for sure. Yeah, I mean, she's picking Mike. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But and, I, yeah. I, I just want to see more of Mikkel's dad. Like, he really made He's it, star quality. He really made an impression <laughs> in that one one promo. There's a theory that she's not going to take Mike to the final two, and Mikkel to the final two, which actually happens a lot in the show where, like, the person you like second best, you yeah. can't bring it to yourself to break their heart by making them think you might actually marry them so you right. get rid of them right like because i say the I bachelor would, does that all that time, i feel the person who comes third actually comes second yeah right like yeah is their second favorite right 
uh, all the time. So I could see that happening. Like, I could see her taking Kevin W. Because, like, why do you care if you break his heart? Yeah, for sure. You don't give a shit. Right. Yeah, they have, like, really no connection. I can't believe he's made it this far. Yeah, and I guess it is following the trajectory of keep around someone you don't care about and don't care if you disappoint them. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So moving on. So you read a book with your friend Shalta. I did. Um, So why don't you tell us about Good Girls, which is now out in stores everywhere and on Amazon. It is. And um, you had your launch party two weeks ago, which, we is, which is so exciting. It was fun. It was star-studded. Um, yes. A lot of Canadian celebrities showed up. I'm like not joking. We had good quality celebrities. Owen Williams, friend of the podcast, was there. Friend of the podcast. His new movie, Operation Avalanche, is out. Yep. Um, and if you were listening Canadian Screen Awards, I believe it is only fair that it be eligible to be nominated. Is it not eligible right now? Um, this is a discussion they're having, and I wow. believe it is only fair. So Canadian Screen Awards... Please make it eligible. That's interesting. Why would it not be eligible? I'm not entirely sure. Right. Why? Um, it's a great movie. It's a great movie, and yeah. it would probably win, and yeah. it is a miscarriage of justice if it is not Well, eligible. I've actually heard that the movie Mean Dreams is fantastic. It's with uh, Colin Fior and Sophie Nelise, and it's like this, mm. like, and Bill Paxson's in it, and it's basically these two, like, runaway teens who steal money and try to escape their abusive homes in, like, Sault Ste. Marie. That does sound good, but I'm not friends with anyone in that movie. So. Yeah, we're not friends with them. We still prefer Operation Avalanche, but I just also heard that movie is very good. And it's out, also out in theaters now. <laughs> mean Dreams. Okay. Anyway, see, that's moving true. on. But see Operation Avalanche first. Yes. Anyway, so he was there. He played one of the characters. So did Aislinn Flynn, who is the debate guru on CBC's The National, Canada's, like, preeminent news show. Who you also wrote about in The Walrus. I did write about her in The Walrus, so she's amazing. Mm -hmm. And then we had Meredith Shaw, who is a famous model and is also a style expert on CTV's The Social, Mm -hmm. a.k.a. the best show in the world. Your favorite show. My favorite show. Yeah. And they, it was, like, such a kick. They did interpretive readings. They were, like, all professional and actory. I was not professional. I... Mm -hmm portrayed one of the characters it was like I just had fun but so the book is about these two girls who form an unlikely friendship one her name is Octavia Irving and she is a rebel from Montreal Canada and she gets sent away after throwing one too many wild parties to go to an all-girls school in Boston where her parents think that she won't be around her friends from Montreal who are bad influence. And when she gets there, she meets this girl named Ali Denning. And Ali follows the rules for the sake of following them, classic high achiever. Then, through a twist of fate, they end up on the debate team together, and they end up as debating partners. So it's all about this kind of unlikely friendship that comes out of circumstance. And it's also about the difference between being a good person and being a good girl, and trying to challenge what it means to be a good girl and trying to think through society's expectations of you and how they kind of limit who you want to be and what you want. And I really loved it. So I read this book over the summer and it's just like, it's just so fun. It reads like how high school girls talk, how I guess we think high school girls talk, but no, it's, it's just a great, 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 great read. And one of the things, so I was asked by the publisher to like write something about the book and I was like, yeah, you guys are never going to use it. So here, like, here's this thing. And of course it's like, on the book cover. It is. It is. Joanna <laughs> wrote something so sweet and articulate, and it's on the Thank book cover. You. And it made my day, because I didn't see it. Um, the publisher didn't show it to me until they showed me the cover. And oh, then really? I cried oh. when I saw what you'd written. I'm sorry. Well, thank you. No, I cried tears of joy. No, I know, but... It was lovely. Thank you. It was so cool to see the quote-unquote nerds be the cool kids, kids yeah. in a way that didn't feel forced. And I thought that that's a very true to these experience, that these girls can be the cool girls and the good girls, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. 
And it just, uh, it really was just, it's just a great read. And it just takes a lot of like unexpected twists and turns. You also develop, of course, the teachers' lives. Yes. Which teachers have lives too. Which is a bit of an agenda on your account, <laughs> but. But I, but I still enjoyed it. I still enjoyed it. So yeah. my students, um, they read it, and they actually, the couple they ship is the teacher couple. So, that, <laughs> so they, there you go. I mean, they ship the teenage couples too, but they're very invested in this teacher couple. Yes. Uh, very invested. And I mean, you can see a lot of uh, your in, yours and Shalta's pop culture references all over. Yeah. Our, we have a Lana Del Rey agenda. Yep. There's Love a Lana her. Del Rey agenda. There's like six different Rag and Bone boot mentions. So I feel like Rag and Bone should sponsor your next book party. They probably should. Rag and Bone. If you, I'm wearing Rag and Bone jeans right now. So yeah. if you want to sponsor our content, I'm okay with that. That works with our brand. It, it is very on brand. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the characters' last names is Lahiri. Like, so, like, Mindy like, like Mindy Project. So there's a couple of things that are a little on the nose, but it's a very, very, very fun read. <laughs> And yeah, I love the book, and I just want more people to read it. And you should be really proud of this work. It's great. And like, she just created this whole world of this fictional all-girls private school. And I, it really, when you read the book, you just want to know more about this world. You hope it's going to turn into a series, and it's just great. It is a series, so we got greenlit. We're really oh. excited. We're supposed to be writing seven. Oh my so god, it's a, it's a lot. I just thought it was fun to create the world because mm-hmm. one of these, one of the things that I love about all-girls schools is how, you know, most of them were created sort of 150 to 100 years ago as basically, like, you know, adjuncts to the patriarchy, right? It's like you had to educate your daughter, but you wanted to sequester her for men, so, like, you sent her to these (laughs) all-girls schools where, like, you hoped that they educated her enough to, like, be okay at a dinner party, but, like, not advocate for her rights or anything. Right. And so all-girls schools, because they wouldn't, you know, traditionally men didn't even teach there, right? Mm -hmm. But because they wanted to keep the girls away from men... But a byproduct of that was there no men there. There was no male oversight. Yeah. So often they become these feminist spaces that are really progressive. Historically, they did because the patriarchy set them up, paid for them, and then was absent. Yeah, they're like all women think tanks is basically what they become. Well, basically, basically. Um, and so we kind of tried to implement that into the book and reflect it. Like the ABC debates room, they have their debate practices in this room that's called the debates room, which started out as like the quilting room, yeah. <laughs> which was right. donated by some guy. And then over time, because there was no patriarchal oversight, they like kind of subvert the purpose of it and make it a, a space for women's empowerment and discussing ideas. So, I mean, we really kind of wanted to make what we thought was Gossip Girl meets Gloria Steinem. Yeah, and it, it, it has that feel to it. We wanted to With be... less headbands. Yeah, there are no headbands. Um, <laughs> Ali's go-to hairstyle is a ponytail. Yep. So there are no headbands. But, yeah, we wanted to reflect... You know, kind of like what it means to be a young woman trying to come into your feminist consciousness, but not in a heavy-handed, preachy way. We're hoping that that's not what happened. Uh, so we want, we were hoping that we did it subtly, and some people have said that we did. So I, I, I hope that that. I think true. it is very subtle. Like all the first kiss stuff, I thought was great, and like, yeah, I, just, it felt, it felt real. It felt very real and very non-judgmental as well, which I really liked. It was, like, what are, it was like, what are these feelings as opposed to these feelings are bad, which I, I thought was a, quite refreshing for a, a YA young adult kind of vibe. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah, it was a lot of fun to write. Like, YA is so much fun to write. Yeah. Um, it's Because you get to get in touch with your youthful side. And right. the truth is, teens are way more interesting than adults. Yeah. They're doing things for the first time, right? When you're an adult, you're 30 and you have your heart broken, you're like, been there, done that. Like, yeah. not going to die, right? right. Like, yeah. you are resilient. Yeah. But when you're 16 and you're working on resiliency, you feel like you might die of your broken heart. Yeah. And so it's just, teenage pain is more compelling. 
Um, and because I work with teenage girls, I really wanted to create characters who I felt were realistic, but also, you know, reflect the, the dynamism of the teenage girls I know, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, who are interested in things like international relations and economics, and they read books, right? Like, they're not like these superficial stereotypes of girls who like, all they want to do is listen to Taylor Swift. No shots fired at Taylor Swift. Although, like, kind of, because I don't like Taylor Swift. But, yeah, I don't like her either. But, you know, I wanted to reflect the girls that I know who are just the coolest people in the world. My students, honestly. If you're listening to this, you shouldn't be, because I don't like it when you listen to my podcast. But if you, if you <laughs> I are... Mean, we, we love our listeners. All of our listeners. <laughs> we love but, all of our listeners, but it's an adult podcast, and they yeah, know that. It is, yeah. It's for us. Primarily for 18 and up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we do sometimes try to listen. Yeah. Anyway, but I, and that's what I said at the launch, that like, they are some of the coolest people I know. And I wanted to create a book that would reflect just how cool and complicated and nuanced teenage girls really are. Yeah. And I, and I think it comes across in such an endearing way. Like you obviously have such a love for teenage girls and for your student. And it was just so clear and so evident throughout the book. And I just want nothing but good things. Oh, thank you, Joanna. Yeah, and, it, and it's such a good book, too. It's not like, you know, just like something that you did, and I'd be proud of you regardless. But it's actually, <laughs> but like, it's actually like very, very good. So, yeah. Oh, thank you. You're well, welcome. I'm hoping people enjoy it. Yeah. It is available on Amazon. So Good Girls by Sarah Sahagian and Sheltered Dakar Fardine. It's also available at Indigo. So if you want to pick it up, you would make my day. Um, order online, pick it up, it's a whole thing. Yeah, I mean, probably ordering online is easier because, like, Indigo, it's it's always, like, a crapshoot what they have, yeah. where you go. Like, once I went to one of their biggest locations, and they didn't have The Luckiest Girl Live, which is a New York Times bestseller. Mm-hmm. So, online's probably safer. It's also available from Kindle and Kobo. Uh, and, you know, it's, like, a fast read. It's great for a plane. It's really great for a plane, really great for a cottage, speaking from experience. <laughs> And it's just fun and very, really engrossing. Like, it doesn't feel like, often with a first book or the start of a series, there's so much exposition. And it just gets that all, you know, out of the way very quickly in a way that still makes it feel real and very, very, again, very engrossing. So, So yay! So excited for you. Oh, thanks. All right, well, what should we talk about next? What should we talk about next? That is a great question. I don't know. It's like like a weird time for movies right now. It really is. Nothing's really happening. So I saw Keeping Up with the Joneses recently, which I actually liked a lot. It looks good. I want to see it. Which is that it's just funny. It's just a funny movie. And, you know, we saw Mike and Dave earlier this summer, Mm -hmm. which was a lot of shouting, a lot of exhausted Zac Efron. We laughed like six or seven times, but it like wasn't a comedy. No, no. It was just boring. It was just boring. And then I saw Masterminds a couple weeks ago and it was like dumb funny. This is, like, just, like, funny, funny. It's just, like, actually, like, funny. Like, there are more jokes than are in the trailer, which, what more do you want from a comedy? And it got kind of hammered in the reviews for being really predictable, but, like, that's fine. I don't mind. Why does everything have to surprise you to be good? Like, I don't think that that's true, that things have to be surprising to be because enjoyable. That, and then, well, and then on the flip side, people say, like, oh, like, these twists were so dumb. Like, who would ever believe that? So exactly. It's like, you just can't please these people. No, it's true. It's like people want to hate lighthearted comedy. Yeah. Because you can't win either way, right? Mm-hmm. And if something's predictable, as long as it does it well, yeah. I don't see a problem with that. It's right. when something's predictable and dull, right? Like, it's boring is the indictment you should use, right? I knew I it was happening, and they didn't do it in a right. way that was compelling. Right. I mean, and there's not a wink every time something predictable happens mm-hmm. in this movie. There... You know, it's not like it's, like, really trying to subvert the genre or anything. 
but it is, it's, you know, it's short enough, it's silly enough. John Hamm's, like, the cast is just so fun. And attractive. And very attractive. A really attractive cast. Yeah. Like, you know, there's someone for everyone in this movie. It's true. Doesn't matter what your type is. It's really true. Somebody for everyone. And uh, if, if Gal Gadot was in every single comedy, that would be fine with me. She's very dry and, like, hilariously funny. She is quite funny. Um, I haven't seen this movie, but she is a funny person. I wrote on uh, Lainey Gossip that uh, it reminded me a lot of when she was on Jimmy Kimmel Live earlier this year promoting mm-hmm. Batman versus Superman, and he was talking about, you know, like the fan, not fan mm-hmm. backlash necessarily, but like the fan reaction mm-hmm. to her being Wonder Woman, and she, she turns to Jimmy and says, well, what do you think about my breasts? <laughs> and, and like, it caught, like, so deadpan and so dry, <laughs> and it caught him so off guard. He's like, you're, what do you mean? You're like a woman who like asks me about her breasts. Like, I mean, they're, they're great. Like what's, and she's like, Oh, cause a lot of people online said they weren't big enough. Do you think they're big enough? Or something like that. And she just like keeps going, keeps yeah. going. And so it's like that kind of humor from her. And she's, and just so dry and it's just hilarious, hilarious. And there's actually a moment in the movie where, um, she and Isla Fisher are trying on lingerie together. Mm-hmm. And Isla Fisher is like staking her out for like a different mm-hmm. reason. And, Anyway, so she forces her to try on lingerie. It's mm-hmm. like, and it's like, look at us, two women, so such different lives, but so much in common. Here we are trying on lingerie to please our men, the patriarchy, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. She was like, "What do men have to do with this? I just want to wear bras or whatever." And it was, it was, it was just very. It's it's just a very fun. It was like a fun romp. I haven't had a fun romp in a while, and I like that. And then I've seen a couple other things recently, but it stood out. It was fun. It was, it was like fun going to the movies to see that. Yeah, I haven't seen any movies because I was at an airport hotel in Richmond, B.C. with children for a week. Yeah, that's that's enough reason. Like, I haven't seen any new movies. Yeah. Yeah. We, we watched The Presidential Debate. That's, a, that's basically a movie. Yeah. It, also, that, like, again, everything comes back to Anthony Weiner. Everything does. Everything does. Um, Anthony <laughs> Weiner, you might ruin this election. That's not his fault. Really, it's Huma's fault, which is the sad part. But I love Huma, so I can't blame I know, her. I know. We all love Huma too much. Love Huma. This documentary at this point, like, I mean... What more can come up? Can, can it come up? Needs to win best documentary. I know at this point, <laughs> like it really does. It just like okay, OJ made in America. Okay, Listen, good, it. but it's we not affecting it. a, an election. Yeah, right. It's not. So in terms of like cultural significance, Wiener surpasses it. It's true. And I read something that like music documentaries have won like four of the past three or three of the past four years, with the bullshit. exception of Citizen Four. Yeah. And so it would be nice to have, like, a political documentary. It would. It would. It really is the fog of war for campaign politics. I love this movie. Wieners is just the best. It's a masterpiece. It I, really like, is. I actually want to watch it again. Like, I could watch it a million times. Yeah. It's the best documentary I think I've seen in five years. It, I, well, since, uh, well, hmm, I loved Everything is Copy as well. Yeah. If but, you consider that a documentary. Exactly. And it's, I love it too, but that type of thing, even if it, like, that type of thing would never win an Oscar, right? No. Just because they don't take women's stories seriously enough. Yeah. Um, the story of a woman who wrote romantic comedies, while important to me, and yes. I think should be culturally important, the Academy doesn't give a shit about it. Yeah, I don't even think Joan Rivers' A Piece of Work, which is my favorite documentary maybe of all time, mm-hmm. I don't even think Joan Rivers' A Piece of Work was on the short list for the best documentary, right? Wasn't that a snub, I feel? I feel like that's what happened. Best doc is really sexist. It's yeah. a very sexist category, and we don't talk about that. Yeah. The way we do with the other categories, but right. it's pretty obvious. Yeah, like I feel like Before the Flood is very likely going to be nominated for an Oscar. 
which mm-hmm. is fine. I'm sure I, I've heard before the flood, of course, is the best climate change thing since mm-hmm. an inconvenient truth. But like, you know, it's also Leo and Fisher Stevens. No shade of Fisher Stevens. Great in the night of. Won an yes. Oscar for directing The Cove. But I mean, I don't know. Eh? Like, Wiener is just so much better. Wiener is like, it is a masterpiece of like, the documentary genre. Through whatever lens you choose to watch it through, mm-hmm. if you choose to watch it through Huma's eyes, if you choose to watch it through Wiener's eyes, if you choose to watch it through that poor campaign manager's eyes. I feel for him so much. I know. Like the scene where he's like basically crying and Huma's yeah. like, Anthony, let him yell at you. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yes. Oh, Huma. Or no, it's the woman, sorry. Yeah. Let her yell at you. Yeah. There's another guy that Huma also lets yell at Anthony, yes. who's not the campaign yes. manager. Can we, can we leave happy? Yeah. <laughs> that, that was amazing. That scene, is, that's real, that scene really struck a chord with me. That, to me, was the actually most damning, like, the most vulnerable Huma was. Yes. Because it shows you, like... She's she basically begging for mercy. Begging for mercy, but it also shows you, like, this is how she operates. She yeah. never lets you see the real Huma. And yeah. it's, like, always puts a smile on her face. Yeah. And, like, that was uncomfortable to watch. I know what I watched on CNN this morning was that, because, you know, of course, now they're going through all of this great old Huma mm-hmm. and Anthony viz, and it's just wonderful. But apparently their first date, mm-hmm. Huma and Anthony, so Anthony asked Huma to go out for a drink mm-hmm. at some kind of, you know, senator, whatever, fundraiser, not, whatever. And she said no because she was working for Hills. Love that. And then Hillary gave her the night off oh, to go because to she liked Anthony. Oh, oh Hillary. Oh, Hillary. <laughs> What? So, and, that's, like, and that's and that's what happened. Oh, oh, what? That's, that's apparently CNN, according to CNN. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, but Hillary likes Anthony because I guess she saw Bill in him and, like, Hillary apparently has bad taste in men, whether wow. it's her husband or someone else's boyfriend. Yeah. Wow. I know. Wow. That, like, like that blew my mind. I, <laughs> I knew, like, I knew obviously that they were close. I knew that Hillary considered Huma to be a daughter yeah. to her, of course. She said that on multiple occasions. She's like Chelsea Plus. It's yeah, like, she is. She is Chelsea. Poor Chelsea. Poor Chelsea and Mark. Just not. It's not good. Not good for them. But yeah. In this case, anyway, I knew that they were very close. I knew that Bill had officiated Huma and Anthony's wedding, mm-hmm. but I didn't know that she gave Huma the night off to go out with them on the first date. Oh my God! So because she made this decision, she may lose the election. Yeah, that's exactly yes. Because she gave Huma the night off. Yeah. Like if she just said Huma. You know what? This guy, he's too much of a grandstander. Go find yourself a nice tax attorney to marry. Right. And who would have done that? And Hillary yeah. would no doubt be right. winning. Right. And now the only serious doubt that has been put into this election in the last few months is because she let Huma go out with Anthony. Unbelievable. It's just the greatest thing. And I can't believe that I didn't know that until I saw it on CNN today. Oh, God. <sighs> oh, God. Hillary, like, all I have to say is, like, love you, Hillary. You don't excel with your taste in men. Do not give relationship <laughs> advice to others. Yes. I want you to be president. Everyone go out and vote for Hillary. Like, American listeners. But Hillary, please, when you become president, never, ever again give relationship advice to anybody. Unbelievable. Ever. Unbelievable. I just love it so much. Man. So now, I mean, now we just need to watch Wiener again. Yeah, like a million times. Like a million times. It's so good. One of my coworkers hadn't, like, hasn't seen it yet, and I'm just like... What's wrong with them? What A, what's wrong with you? <laughs> B, at this point, like, you really have no excuse. Like, just watch the documentary. It's, like, the greatest thing. It's, like, why do you hate good things? Yeah. It's, like, at this point, like, if our podcast is, like, strictly, <laughs> like, Bachelor, Bachelorette, Batchcan, like, whatever related, and Anthony Weiner related, I think that's on brand. We could do a pod- podcast just talking about those things. I know. I really wish he was still on Twitter. 
He was so funny on Twitter. Uh, one day. Like, he'll, you know, he'll, he'll you know be back. They're divorcing. He will be back. I know. It's so funny because we were talking about this yesterday at work. Because yesterday, of course, being Friday when this whole wiener stuff came out. And it's like, okay, so if you're Bill Maher, mm-hmm. who do you have on the show tonight? Like, do you fly him out private? Like, yes. what do you do? Yes. And instead they had Michael Moore and Chelsea Handler, which like, I feel like that's like, those are still pretty good gets. Mm-hmm. But no. But Anthony you, you go straight to the source. You do whatever it takes to get him. You just, like, you go and you abduct Anthony Weiner and you bring him to your If set. there's not enough time to fly him to mm-hmm. L.A. Skype in. Skype in, Skype's yeah. It's a wonderful tool. Yeah. I mean, he obviously loves TV. I mean, I guess probably the Hills campaign is, like, you're not doing any press ever. Although, like, why is he listening to them? Right. Unless he needs a really good divorce settlement. Because, let's face it, most of the money was Huma's. 100%. And he still lives in that house. <laughs> or in that apartment. <laughs> that's a coup. Like, yeah. that's a nice apartment. Yeah. That apartment is, like... Honestly, the nicest New York apartment I've ever seen that didn't belong to a billionaire. Where I'm like, how much did this cost? How did you afford this? Yeah. That kitchen was huge. Yep. Then like, the fridge was gorgeous. It was palatial for a New York apartment. Like, that was a sizable... Also, that pasta sauce conversation is, like, my aspirational goal in life. Except they had a deeply troubled marriage to it. Yeah, I'm aware. You're like, like, I want the pasta sauce debate. Yeah. Like, is there too much sugar in this sauce? Yeah. Minus... The scandals and divorce. Yeah, minus the sexting, possibly allegedly sexting teenage girls. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was actually true to life because in my experience, like, the only people who care about sugar in sauce are men. Like, that's my dad and my mom. Right. Where, like, my mom is like, if it tastes good, make it. But, and, like, we have this societal belief that women are more obsessed with, like, these things, but it's actually men. Mm. It's my dad would be the one, the Anthony Weiner there being like, reading this ingredient, we can't cook with this sauce. <laughs> no. Well, that means your parents are in love, which is... There have been no sexting scandals where my parents are concerned. Um, But they're still in love. But there's love. There's pasta sauce debate love. That's good. That's that's what we can all strive for. Yeah, that's... They do have good chemistry, Anthony and Huma. Like, they have mad chemistry. You see her like, I believe that these people have had sex and enjoyed it. (laughs) Believe that. And he's very forward about what he likes, so who knows? Um, mm -hmm. (sighs) mm-hmm. On that note, be back next week with more, hopefully more Anthony Weiner news. Hopefully, hopefully in a more. hopefully in a positive light. There's nothing more that we would like to give you, listeners, than a good news Anthony Weiner story. It's true. He he really was so good on Twitter when the interview scandal was happening. I feel like I've talked about this before. He was kept like tweeting at Seth Rogen. He's like, "Fight the good fight." What are Jews supposed to see on Christmas? We want to watch the interview. Oh, give, me, give me something to do. Is Jordan Jewish? Are they raising their son Jewish? That's a, that's the real burning question here. I don't know. Like, because she's Muslim and he's Jewish. So, mm-hmm. like, but that's also part of what I loved about their love story. I know. That they seem to be making it work. And she it, looks so beautiful at their wedding. That dress I know. is phenomenal. But you also have to be stunning to pull it off. Like, yeah. Most people can't pull that off. And it's only because she's, like, I think she's prettier. Gorgeous. I think she's prettier than Amal Clooney. I think she's just, like, one of the most beautiful women yeah. ever. Like, yeah. Huma Abedin is so... It's not even just how pretty she is. It's that she's so elegant. How she the way carries, she carries herself. herself. Like, how smart she is. Ugh, she's perfect. Yeah, she is perfect. And, like, definitely was too good for Anthony. But, like, too good for everyone. Yeah. Who is good enough for Huma? Bill Clinton, I guess. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, maybe like let's see maybe like she'll become ben affleck's next wife that'd be nice yeah that would work for me and then he'll become president yeah that's which is what he wants because she i think excels at trying to make people president yeah okay so that's like or like ryan gosling's like partner after eva mendez uh, i don't like ryan gosling ben affleck at least is like so charming i love ben affleck i'm very pro ben affleck I saw the account. It was very silly, but I love Ben Affleck.
Yeah, I like him too. I mean, Ryan I mean, Gosling. I saw Ryan. I saw Runner Runner in theaters, so probably says it all. Yeah, that does say it all. All right. Well, have a good week, guys. Thanks yeah. for listening. Yeah, have a great week, and go check out Good Girls. It's wonderful. Oh, thanks, Joanna. And we will be back next week with more. All right. Have a good week, guys. Have a great week. Bye.